Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Marcible Podcast. And please, if you're under 18, um, just want to say, you should, probably you don't listen to this, because it comes with a lot of strong languages. And today we'll conclude the series we've been having so far on secrets. And in the spirit of being vulnerable and being open, which has always been the guiding ethos of this platform i wanted to share uh, a story that if i say that a day was ever going to come for me to talk openly about this was going to come i probably would have doubted it and so i would like to put a context to what you'll be hearing so to kind of let you know just what has been happening behind the scenes and which i think will invariably give you a deeper appreciation for this week's episode so for the first week we examined you know um yinka story and then we did um raquel story and then last week was anu story and then this week will be my story i recorded with anu last year december it was december 4th to be precise as at that time i hadn't met her in person I met her through, you know, Yvonne, another podcaster. And what we had done was just to share her story. And during the taping of the conversation, she had let me know that she was... Um, I mean, I'd known because she um, set up a conference called the No Shame Conference. And the premise of that was just to help people get rid of shame and navigate life, you know, looking at themselves in different lights. So she was the convener of that, of that conference. So I knew she... She had said that much from the blurb about sexual abuse, so and childhood sexual abuse. And if you remember that, that last week's episode, we really didn't talk a lot about, you know, her story. It was, it was more, you know, it happened when she was seven. Someone that they trusted, the family trusted, but we didn't really go into details. One thing you guys might not know was that during the taping of that show, I felt uncomfortable, and. The way I the uncom the the feeling of discomfort was more like having to acknowledge what I had gone through as a child when I was three, and I wasn't ready for it, because otherwise the moment she was talking about you know her sexual abuse story, I should have just maybe explored further like oh, given such a strong bond you have with your mom and your dad and your your you know your grandma, how did they take the news? and things like that but because it felt so deeply personal and close to home for me and i really wasn't ready to do that so in that regard i failed to do my job as a podcaster because i took it deeply personal and you could even tell that i even went on a a little bit of a TED talk talking about you know shame and how we should rise above it find people to talk to you know and i've done a little bit of that with this story i'm about to tell you but in that moment, I also did that thing of compartmentalizing myself and putting myself as someone that was talking to, you know, people like, you know, he's how you're supposed to do it. But God had different plans. <laughs> so I had finished taping, you know, her episode. As a matter of fact, she had a guest, you know, with her at home. And so I had told her, you know, good night. Thank you so much for coming on the show because it was around like 1 a.m. over there in Nigeria where she was. So it was getting too late and I didn't want to keep her any longer. And then she just asked me a question like, oh, I didn't know you were married. Tell me about yourself and all that. And guys, best believe it. I started talking. I started just talking. I have never been able to put that story together because a lot of it still feels like a dream. And in all the 30 minutes or so, I strung my story together for someone I just met on a podcast. And that floored me for two reasons. One, when I started this podcast, I, I envisioned it to be like a one-way thing. You know, I have these amazing friends. I have this, you know, outlook about life. I wanted to share with people. I wanted to give people the opportunity to come on board to share their stories. So in that way, I made myself a middleman between the stories and the listeners. But never did I ever think that I was going to become one of its recipients in such a way that was going to change my life forever. That was one. Two, 
was that I didn't ever think that I could, you know, put the story together. I really didn't think so. Moreover, I was someone I didn't even really, really know. And for me, the biggest thing was how to break it to my mom, you know, because my my husband knew about the story way before we got married. It was one of the things I had to tell him, like, big reveal, you know, I was molested as a child and I never, I still carry that shame with me. I still have, you know, issues with, you know, how I feel, my, my perception of self-worth and all that kind of stuff. So it was one of the things I told him, but I wasn't going to wait until, you know, we got married and I was going to start doing the big reveal. And of course he, he just said, you know, almost like, uh uh-huh. So what? Like, not like in a very nonchalant way. Like I still love you. So what? I just, he, the way he responded to today still follows me. But the one person that I had never been able to tell that story to was my mother. And as you know, my relationship with my dad wasn't very good as a child growing up. So I really didn't factor him as someone I want to talk to about. You know. But my mom was different because she, I mean, my mom, if you know me and my mom, you know that you'll think there was nothing I couldn't talk to her about. And the way my therapist put it was a part of me was still trying to protect her from that discovery. And in that role, I put myself as... And in, that, in, in doing that, I put myself in the role of a mother, taking on that responsibility, which I shouldn't have done in the first place. So after talking to Anu and realizing that I could talk to a stranger about this, why not my mother? Why not just talk to her? You're going to be going home. And that was last year. You're going to be going home in a few days' time. You have to tell your mother. I went into crisis mode. Like, I have never ever seen myself that shaking before i was visibly shaking and i was a hot mess that night i had to email my therapist right away that i need an emergency session next thing like the very next day and so i carted myself to his office and we sat down and we talked about it now just a heads up my therapist knows a little bit about you know things i go through he knows about you know my sleeplessness um my feeling of you know what listeners trying to like you know navigate fertility issues miscarriages and all that kind of stuff he's seen all the signs and symptoms but he just didn't know where i was coming from because i never opened up about you know my childhood sexual abuse so when i finally opened my mouth to talk about it he was really deeply taken aback because he was like now everything makes sense and I could even, because I, I recorded the session just to, you know, at least, I've not been able to listen to it since then, I, but I, I shared it with a couple of my friends. And I was just babbed. I was just crying. In, I missed tears. I was able to tell him everything. And he said, I think you should tell your mother about it. You shouldn't protect her anymore. The role of your mom is to protect you, not the other way around. And so a plan was set in place to talk to my mom. And knowing the kind of person that I was, when I wanted to talk to my dad, I wrote a letter and I had my friends read those letters, read that letter to kind of edit it and make sure I wasn't coming on too strong, which I did in, you know, the first few drafts. But this one was kind of different. I put my words down and I had a couple of people read it. So shout out to those people, you know, yourselves. Um, just to mention my sister-in-law, Yanu, and also um, my cousin, Shola, and Angela, my friend. And they gave me feedback and they were very, very supportive, even being clear as well. And so I went home. Even on that day, I had told the T-Dub what we're going to do at home when we went to visit my parents. I almost backed out and he was like, no, I'm not going to let you back out. Like, you have to do this. And so I I went home. I told my mom I needed to tell her something. And you know, she had that look of, you know, excitement. Like, what do you want to tell me? And I was like, I have to read you a letter. And she said... Is it a happy letter? And I said, no, it's just a letter. And then I told her. I told her everything. Of course, she was she was so heartbroken. so sad I think what made her so sad was that I kept it for so long for 30 years 30 years 
couldn't tell her about it. For 30 years, I felt like um, a child in me had been trapped and never just grew up. I think that incident woke me up in a way that I shouldn't have and robbed me of my childhood. And, you know, the innocence with that came hypervigilance and the ability to detect threats. Um, I could walk in a room and I could, you know, weed. I could separate, you know, people that were dangerous, stranger dangers from people that were going to be, you were going to be safe around. And so the incident really was, was a neighbor. I think he was also younger. He was probably on the age as well. If I were to go back now, maybe he was 13 or 15 thereabouts. And I was three and he had said he wanted to show me a chicken and he made me perform some sexual acts on him and and that was it you know and for anyone listening to this who you know has maybe gone through what I've gone through in retrospect now what happened to um, to me was tragic but I think the secrecy and the shame that came as a result of that was even more tragic than the incident itself and of course the devil used that as an opportunity to he spawned webs and mansions and castles out of it but i thank god for you know how far he's kept me i thank god because it was meant to damage me and it did in some areas but there's a way god has you know there's a way god has in redeeming us from ourselves so i want to encourage you whoever you are listening to this that i'm so sorry if you've gone through this and i hope you're able to find that one person you need to talk to to begin to set yourself free and i want to just thank my mom she prayed with me she remembered the incident you know because the neighbor had walked in and they had you know um curbed it and and the way it was like i just felt like everyone gathered together and i made the whole you know neighborhood kind of like or the whole because when we lived in a housing community i made everyone like gather it was all because of me it was just something really weird going on i just want to pray for you as well that you know you begin to find that peace that you needed i still have a long way to go towards healing but and i still have a long way to reverse all of the things that have been brought upon me because i you know deeply struggled with body image issues eating disorders um insomnia and so many things coupled with diet issues um but i'm still here today i'm still healthy, and healthy so i want to give you that encouragement that life you know does get better <sighs> so i think um i just want to thank my mom for you know hearing me out for listening to me for believing me and of course my dad initially he was just like Ugh. i used to thinking about that like it happened many years ago and almost like in a very dismissive way but not in a rude dismissive way and that was when t-dog had to step in and explain to him that oh no daddy that is not that easy like you know ptsd trauma it actually affects the course of your life and that the miracle is that she turned out at least, you know, quite okay. Some people never really recover from that. I think my dad hearing um, from T-Dog and hearing that, you know, male's perspective helped him double down a little bit. And he was like, okay, I understand. So um, thank you, dad, for listening as well, finally. And for T-Dog, thank you so much for all these years for um, seeing, you know, me through different lenses. I think one of the many ways this has affected me was on some days, like most times, it, it, there's always that feeling of not feeling like you, you're not capable of being loved. And you've shown time and time again that it was always a choice you made and it was a good choice you made. And you've never for once made me feel any less, you know, than that. So I want to thank you. And yeah, so that that's my story. Um there's a risk of being looked at oh she was abused as a child and i don't care about that anymore um that was one of my greatest fears about coming out and people looking at you like someone has been damaged yes um 
if you think of it that way, you aren't entirely wrong in that aspect. But I wanted to share this story because I know most people see all, all you see is what I show you, and and I know that sometimes it's kind of hard to like articulate these things without the fear of being looked at as you know a lesser person. But at the stage that I am right now, it took a year to kind of talk about this because you know I talked to my mom last December, and I. I'm I'm in a good place now to talk about it and and the the hope really is to encourage somebody going through this that you're not alone and I hope that you too will be encouraged by these stories. And yeah, so that's the story about my childhood sexual abuse. And um so I I feel so lucky that even though it took thirty years that the story is out now, my mom, you know, I've known about it for a year, and our relationship has gotten a lot better. Um, I, I, the shame from that, is still there, but it's not as heavy as it was. I don't think it's ever going to go away, but I, I just know to dismiss it when you know things crop up, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not, I'm not clutching onto the comfort or safety of that blanket, you know, anymore. So yeah. Something that comes close to this for me was when I talked about, you know, talking to my dad and how that healed me. This is different because it's similar in the sense that it was ability to confront my demons. This is different because I won't lie to you, there was a point I got to being comfortable having these scars because they became familiar. You know, it was like that monster you had bred. It wasn't your monster in the first place, but it became your pet monster. And sometimes to rear its ugly head and become like, you know, chimera and, you know, um, titans and whatnot. But it became familiar. And that was the danger in it. I didn't want to let go because I didn't think there was a way to let go. I consider myself to be somewhat successful at what I've done in my life. And I thank God for the ability to be able to be where I am today. But if I tell you that how much this thing has helped me back, the fears it came with, the body image issues, the that feeling of self-hatred and not feeling like you can ever be loved enough, all the baggage that came with these issues, I'm slowly reading myself of it and I want to give you that gift. To be able to say this is what happened to me and then owning responsibility for the role you may have played after the fact in perpetuating that narrative of what's happened to you. So what happened to us as kids was bad enough, it was sad enough. But then what, what have we done? What has happened to us? That is what I'd like to speak to today. So I know if you ever get to listen to this, I want to thank you. Um, I don't believe in coincidences. I strongly believe God sent you to me. And thank you for helping me do that, to be able to talk you know, about that. And for parents that are listening to this, I just want to encourage you to keep having conversations with your children at a young age, especially because you want to create a space where your kids can be able to freely approach you to talk about sensitive issues as abuse. So why didn't I tell my parents? Um, I wasn't, for me, it wasn't the fear of being punished or not being believed because I know my mom would have believed me if I told her that. I know she wouldn't have punished me if I told her that. It was the fear of breaking her heart. Like, I would take on that responsibility, but that wasn't my responsibility to take. I didn't want her to be heartbroken. I didn't want her to feel like she didn't do her job in keeping me safe. And really, that was my reason for not telling her. And in that moment, I assumed the role of a mom at a very tender age. I learned how to play nice and be normal, but I was dying inside. Um, yeah, and that was my regret. It took me 30 years to be able to say the words to her. And so, I don't know how long it's been for you, you don't have to wait 30 years for you, for your story to come out. I do hope you can take, you know, borrow a leaf or take all the leaves from my trees and use that to set your own story free. Well, enjoy this episode. Or maybe don't enjoy it, but deeply reflect on the following episodes. And basically in this episode, you will hear just um, my conversation with Anu that birthed the whole process of uh, calling my therapist, eventually writing a letter, and talking to my mom. So this was after tipping the show we are last December. 
after I had said, you know, good night and all that, and she began asking me questions about myself. And I wanted to retain this clip from my talk with her so you can just understand that kind of the frame of mind I was in. And hopefully, if anyone listening to this might be able to pick a line or two or borrow a link or two that can in turn help with their own process as well. Thank you all for listening and God bless. Hey there, welcome to the More Simple Podcast. My name is Mo. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes and build community around important issues. On this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured on this platform are by people whose journey I'm inspired by, and most importantly, people who have been courageous and vulnerable to be open about their life stories. And I hope that in turn, you'll find these stories inspiring. I didn't know you were married. Yeah. The first time I saw that, you know, that episode, I was like, well, this is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I got to know you a lot better. And it, it was just really beautiful, you know, you guys' story. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were married for... Long, like, as in how long you've been married as well? Yeah, eight years, eight years, and and counting. Since it wasn't, it wasn't as in the beginning, girl. It wasn't as in the beginning. Like, man, I, I should probably even do an episode on that one of these days, because, man, I had issues, man. I had, I had, um, I had a lot of issues. Not that he wasn't with all his issues. Um, do you have some time? Yeah. Okay, I'm not a girl. Okay, okay, okay. I was just considering your guests. You know, maybe you guys want to talk or something. So, um, let me start with my story. Um, my life was interrupted when I was three. My, my, I was sexually molested as a kid, and <laughs> it's wow. it's something it's something I haven't I have told my friends about it, and I haven't talked about it on the show yet. Which probably my might even release this is. Because I didn't talk to my mom. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't remember the incident. I think it was. It wasn't like I'm gonna be a little bit wrong. It wasn't like penetration, as much as it was me being forced to do some sexual acts on an adult. And mm. I think somebody walked in because the pretense was he. He said he had a, a chicken, a big chicken that he wanted to show me, and I loved animals. And I went with him, and you know, maybe in his. He must have used the word cock, and I just thought it was, I don't know. I thought it was chicken. Like, I was, I felt like I was just, this was like a neighbor, like, you know, older neighbor. And, and I think somebody walked in and saw us. And of course, the whole, everybody knew about it. And I remember them gathering. And that was my very first memory. Remember, I was three then. That's when you come into your consciousness. And I was told to stay outside and play. But all the adults were in the room and they were talking about stuff. And that was it. And nobody came to meet me to ask me what exactly happened. Because I would have just said everything that I gone through. You know, I would have just said, this is what he told. Because I didn't know what was happening then. But there was so much hush, hushness about it. And no one came to tell me and talk to me that, you know, that was wrong. This is your buddy. And 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 I, I don't know. I, I, I have to talk to my mom. I haven't talked to her about it. And I felt like I protected her a lot. And of course, the abuse went on and on. And... It got to a point where, I mean, it, it was so messy, sis, that mm. I didn't even know what was wrong. Like, all the, like this was just abuse that was perpetrated in different ways. And I point gets to the point where, like, that was messed up. And, you know, I put an end to it. And I never really talked mm. to my mom. I think the person I really talked to about was my husband, the one we're dating. Because I didn't want to mm. get married because I knew that there was just something. I grew up very quickly. I grew up very, I think that incident kind of woke me up. And I got into this consciousness because I think that's what those kind of experiences do to you. As a child, yeah. you're frozen in time. You know, you yeah. never quite develop like like you're supposed to. So I grew up quickly. I grew up, grew up wise. I could tell, I could walk into a room and I could read the room. 
and knew who were potential molesters like you're just you you have that you woke i think that's the word for it you become woke at and so much consciousness in your little brain that it's like you shouldn't be you shouldn't see the world like that and of course um and then i think that was when probably started with the then i started having sleep issues you know i, I think that also perpetuated to adulthood and so internalizing all of that for a long time i didn't know what my body was you know it became like a like a broken thing to just carry around um and plus my dad my dad was he was there physically you know but we never had that relationship he was he worked in a bank all his life and when he would come home he was apparently worked up and so i internalized all of that like he didn't want us to be around yeah so he would shout he would scream and my mom my mom bless her heart like i just saw her as someone that was so tender and and mm-hmm. i just i wanted to protect her so i never told her about everything i was going through but i had a lot of struggles i mm-hmm. felt i was felt out of place i never felt like i belonged anywhere and i think what really helped me was i i i loved reading as a child you know mm-hmm. so my source of escape like i was a, a rabid reader and i also fell mm-hmm. in love with radio you know radio listen to radio mm-hmm. i didn't do the recording like you did but um late night shows you know down foster and reading that was my life like i would just sit down and and just those were the ways that i felt like i had like a normal childhood and in school you know um i was quite smart in school so people kind of liked me because i was smart because i could help them with their assignments so that kind of helped me to feel like okay because school was like a safe haven for me nobody could molest me in school you know and so um i grew out of that and boarding house i realized that the relationship I had with my dad was dysfunctional. It wasn't normal for girls not to be able to talk to their dads. And but I didn't know because you know there was so much dysfunctionality around me in that area that I didn't think it was any different. And so I never talked to my dad. I just, you know, we just had that relationship of I mean he was very financially provident. I'll give him that. That he was good with he just wasn't emotionally available. Now imagine a girl that was molested. Imagine a girl that had that shaky relationship with her dad. Imagine a, a, a girl that, you know, felt like just out of this, like all of that compounded by so many things. And I went into college. Boys, I think got to a point where I just started having this, no, I won't call it misogyny, but I just knew that for most men, because when I started like maturing, like growing my boobs and I had a big butt, like that was what used to get me into trouble a lot. And <laughs> you see these old sleazy bags just... Like, you're just 17, like a child, just smacking their lips, you're walking by the, you know, neighborhood and trying to give you these lecherous oh, wow. looks. And I realized that you're just a commodity to those people. They don't even see who you are. And so mm. I, I learned to start, hit, not hitting my body, but distrusting it. Because it wasn't showing what I what was up here. It was more like what people saw. But I wanted to be, I didn't want to be seen. I wasn't like, you know, you see me with a, whoa, beautiful girl, you know. I was I, I won't call myself like the most beautiful girl in any space, and mm. I didn't want to be that way. I didn't want to be an object, so I did everything to make sure that I couldn't be seen as an object. So I went through a tomboyish phase, you know, hid my body in like <laughs> you know sacks of baggy jeans and dungarees, and you know that was there was a phase like that. And I remember when I had gone to, um, I think my great grandma died. She was like hundred and something, wow. and the whole family. My mom's side of family, and I, there's some family members that I don't, my mom doesn't, they don't really talk. Anyways, everyone was together because, you know, great-grandma had died. And I remember one of her cousins saying, she saw me sitting down outside, like, who's this pretty girl? You're so pretty. And it was the first time someone actually said pretty to me. Uh-huh. And it was coming from a woman, and it meant a lot to me because I felt from, a, from someone I knew wasn't going to take advantage of me. You know, like, this was a woman, you know, because I, I didn't see myself that way. Anyways, um, so I went to college and um, I was serious with books. Like education was, studying was like a big deal for me. And I remember when I met my husband then and we started talking and started saying he wanted to, you know, he said he wanted, we were friends for a while, you know, um, and I, I didn't think I was going to get married because I knew that I just, number one, I'm fiercely independent and it wasn't about me not thinking I, I would, commit to one person that was quite a problem but it wasn't like the main thing it was just like i don't see myself being stable enough in a relationship that was the um consideration i gave to like put myself away and put myself out of this don't worry about marriage like i wasn't that girl that I imagined my wedding day walking down the aisle no 
No, I, I, I wasn't that girl. I was never that girl. Marriage was not. When your girls, like, when your friends are talking about their wedding day, I always think, like, there has to be, like, you realize that it's life afterwards, right? You know, so I didn't, I didn't imagine all of that. I wasn't even interested in that remotely. And then when I met him, and um, I think what really, what I like about him is his emotional stability. I have never seen quite someone so <laughs> stable emotional. Like, even with all of my baggages, like, he's still stable even till now. And I've put this guy through a lot. And I think it's a test of more than his character, but I know God as well and the upbringing he had. And so that drew me to him. And then uh, we started talking and mm. I felt like I could talk to him. For Meanwhile, then I had a lot of friends and guys. Um, once once I got into grad, um, secondary school, I realized that what I was doing was, you know, sinful. Because it had evolved from being molested to just being... And it was all kinds of things I was involved in. And... Um, so I realized that that needed to stop. Yeah, yeah, and you know it was. I know. It, okay, and uh, so I, I realized that this was sinful and I wasn't honoring God with my body. So I I gave my my that life back to God. So we we started talking and I felt like I could talk to him and he was someone that I could trust because you know that consciousness I spoke about. With you know you can always tell those that can take advantage of you. You know, and in talking to him, I realized yeah. that. There was just this, there was something about him that I didn't have that I knew that it was going to destroy a process in me. And the times I ran away from it was because I wasn't ready for that threshing floor experience, you know. And and so it was a call to like, you want to go with this person? Because I had, at this time, I, I had a lot of boyfriends, but nothing sexual. Just, I felt more comfortable talking to guys, but I knew that, and guys that I knew that, they were never gonna take advantage of me, and mm. and so I I because when he asked me out, it was like I don't want to date, I want to marry you. I laughed at him. I was like, marry? Oh wow! <laughs> like marry? Like no. yeah. I told him that like you must be kidding, right? Because like, I'm never getting married. You know that, right? And it was like, yeah, I know, but I I really want, I don't want to just date you. I want to marry you. And my plan was to go to France. I was learning French then, and. Um, get my PhD and adopt kids. That was my life plan. Like you know, that was what I had in my books. But who's laughing now? And <laughs> and then we we I told him like you know I need time to think. So I finally came back a month later. Like you know what I will date you, but I'm not gonna marry you. I I don't think I'm ready. I don't think you know I'm cut out for that. And we started dating for about five years. And it got to a point where. Wow. Yeah, and I tell people it's not because I wanted a long-term relationship. To me, I could have gone on dating him, but I think it took me that long to convince myself that. But I think for him, I mean, he's a human being. For I might talk about him in a very glowing way, but know that he has his, you know, his um, like you know, like most people, and I, I'm broken. He's broken. The thing is that we come together, you know, with our brokenness in front of God. Is that um, he loved me more than I loved him, and. And and that's very important because I never thought I was capable of, you know, being that way with somebody because there was so much brokenness in me that I hadn't addressed. And 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 that's the concept of shame, you know. Like what do you see in me? Like what do you, what value do you see in me when I don't even see this value? And I I was quite good at so many things. I was brainy, I was talented, I was all of that. But all of that was just to keep to kind of um shutting the noise inside me. You know, because inside this place was that dark and dirty secret that I still haven't been able to talk to my mom about it because I feel like I still want to keep protecting her, which I'm going to, I have to talk to her when I go home this um, in some few weeks' time. I want to know what really happened that day, why they kept it quiet, because to me it felt like I couldn't trust the adults in the room. Nobody even came to brief me, and, and I think that was when I just felt like it was okay to keep quiet. And like you said, you know, these kind of things, they thrive in, in, in secrecy and in, in you know, and all of that. So we got married, and, um, and that's when the whole drama began. You know, um, oh my gosh. And this was before therapy, and and just so daddy issues plus all of the childhood stuff, and it's like who? It was just, and I'd known this person for five years. No, I've known him for at this point. I've known him for about seven and a half years because we got married. I met him two years, dated, and we're friends for about two years, and then 
we dated for about five years. So I'd known him for quite a, a great deal of time before we got married. So it wasn't a matter of not having knowledge of him. But it became different in that pseudo environment of a marriage. And for me, it was my, my resistance to not change, um, to not yield to, you know, um, the, what God had to do with me. Because a lot of it just had to be about accepting that. And there's some things he would always say. Like, I choose you, my husband does. I choose you, you know, like, you're right, like a puppy that you went to the, <laughs> to the pound to go rescue, like you choose. He was like, that's love. Like, I choose you. It's a choice to love you. And I didn't like hearing that word because it made me seem like a rescue project. But mm. I think with time, it, it, it was it just reminded me of God's love for us. Like, he didn't die for us because we, we were that fantastic because we're not. But he chose to do that. And and I think that's the ability that you're rubbing off on me. And the moment I sat down with, you know, Motolani and find out, okay, things that happened to you, was, those were sad things that happened to you. What have you made out of it? You built a monarchy out of it. You've, you spawned a lot of webs of, of lies and deceits out of what has happened to you. So you are, you know, you're like a you, you, you're victim turned villain. You need to mm. take responsibility for, you know, what you've done with all the things that happened to you. Because a lot of it has been shrouded in secrecy. You've let mm. them grow. They've grown, you know, wings and, 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 and whatnot. Yeah. And so that was it. You know, it was pe- talking to people, um, therapy as a whole and confessing my sins. Like, I do... I don't mean, like you know these things don't go away. Um, it's just recognizing them at the very site of you know like I'm not going back there. We're done. Pay the rent. We've closed that account. We're not going back anymore. You know, and because the devils, I mean, you never forget. You know, your body still keeps the score. And for yeah. me, it's it's days where I feel like, and then coupled with you know having miscarriages and and doubting my 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 fecundity as a whole, and if motherhood is like cough for me and. And just finding what my identity was. And I think what has also helped me is I knew that my purpose on earth had to be bigger than things that were around me because I didn't think I was going to live past 30. I was very pessimistic about that. Like, I, wow. I, yeah, I didn't think I, I wasn't going to like kill myself, but I didn't think I was going to live past 30. And, but I knew that I had such a gift that, you know, there was a reason for my life being preserved. And so even in my little spaces now, I, I try to talk to people about just purpose and using our stories, setting our stories free to yeah. to help others as well and navigate the darkness of my being. And yeah, so that's my, my life story in a, in a nutshell. It's it's taken a lot to get here. And mm. I think I always tell my husband, I feel like we're like in the second wave of our marriage because the first five years was, was, was hellish, like, you know, I just, mm. I wasn't ready for the change. I wasn't ready to be that vulnerable. So I felt mm. like I'm just loving him more. Like, I, 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 I'm I, loving, I'm finding out just how to genuinely love. But for him, it came naturally. For me, no. Like, what's love? Like, what does love mean? These people that love you, that take advantage of you. You know, people that love you, that, tr- that, 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 that they take your trust and then they throw it away. So love was not, it was a commodity. It was who's yeah. buying it. You know, that was it for me. And then it's, I see it like it's a choice. It's, it's to see that thing in somebody and rather than walk away, which is the easiest thing to do because it's like a train coming for you. You stay put on like, I'm here for you. And then they embrace you and they're like, I'm not leaving. So sometimes I'll tell him like, I said, uh, my mouth, man, girl, my Jeez. mouth. <laughs> I'll say things and, you know, I hurt him a lot with my words. But he, he would just look past it and be like, you know, I choose you. like, And... So I've, 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 I've uh, yeah, like, and I, I want to just thank God because I always say for, for him, he's my relationship with my dad. I didn't have, and I, and I know for him it was a lot of burden for him because in relation to being a husband, he became like a pseudo dad. And I started taking out some things yeah. on him and he goes like, at the point he was like, I'm not your dad. Like he said that to me and I realized, oh my gosh, I have turned this man into something else. So I started going to therapy, God, therapy. My 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 theme hashtag hashtag for my life is Jesus and therapy, you know, just mm. radical acceptance and mapping my childhood and and all of that. So therapy has really helped me to um, at least understand some things why I do the things I do, because apparently I was having PTSD from all of this trauma that I never navigated. So mm. I was very reactionary to things. Um, a sight, a smell, a word can just ruin my day, you know. Mm. 
a, a memory or just something and my whole day is ruined and it's like you've canceled the whole day just because of that you know <laughs> and just understanding the triggers like these things are gonna they're always gonna be triggers but then the difference is your reaction to them you don't have to be quite reactionary to them so yeah that's that's um that's 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 my story that podcast is going mainstream and that there are many people all over the world listening to podcasts daily for example in the u.s alone one in every three persons listen to at least one podcast every month wow that's a lot of people do you also know that podcast listeners tend to be more loyal affluent and educated speaking of these virtuous qualities did you also know that on a monthly basis Thousands of people all over the world listen to the Mossible podcast? Hmm. Well, do you have a business, service, event, or product you would love loyal, affluent, and educated listeners to hear about? Then look no further. To promote your services on the podcast, send an email to talk to more at mossible.com today. Or you can visit our website at www.mossible.com. That is www.mossible.com. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. I, I don't think I've met anyone um, who has made me feel like I'm actually looking at myself as in you <laughs> share so much, so so much in common is is just incredible. It's incredible. But it's good to see that you know you're you're not just thriving but like you're making a difference and you're really getting there as believing your life to the you know, to the full. So I'm really happy for you. And I've learned a lot just listening to you. Thank I you. really have. I really have. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I didn't even think I was going to go down this. I have never, I think only my husband, I have never pissed my life from the beginning to the end. My friends, if you get my friends together, they can tell you the whole picture because I don't think one person knows everything that I've been through. Because I tried to like, I don't know. I think it's still part of still hiding. But uh, yeah, like the first person apart from my husband, that is that has. And my my ther- my my therapist. I don't even maybe all of my therapists will know because I've had different depending on the the time of the season I went. But like they're the first person that I'm like I could do that whole. Mm-hmm. You know, I have never, I have never, not even in front of the mic ever, um, articulated this like, you know. <laughs> I can still relate. And I, I, I just know that God is using your story to help a lot of people. And maybe you don't have to tell it in detail because that's one thing I really dread as I tell my story because yeah, like I said, we're still we're also work in progress. In fact one of the things I had to um learn like when I began my own healing process was that it's taken me this number of years to be this damaged. I need to put in the work. It's not a day's job at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Sometimes it feels easy to share the story. And honestly, I just share my story unless I'm led to. Because I, I just feel like that's all people are going to know me for. Yeah, that's like, it. <laughs> yeah. That one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So much more to me than that. That's a testimony, one of my many testimonies. And so I don't share it. I feel like I'm still going through my own phase. We call yeah. it terms. Yeah. Yes. Very true. Very, very true. Most of the time, I just feel so unqualified. Most of the time, I'm just so unqualified. Like, why? Why does? But if you think about it, like, I think that's why God exactly uses us because. Look at Moses, you know, unqualified. David, definitely unqualified. But I think it's our willingness to yield and to stop making it all about us, you know. But for God to walk through us so that people can see that despite all of this, you know, it's it's the willingness to yield everything to God and be like, here, take it. I'm done with all this party I've been throwing myself. Party of one, no one coming, no one arresting. Even if they do, they leave so quickly. You know, we don't even get to party. Here, have it. You know, I think that's what I makes us like qualified. You, <laughs> you, huh? you must. I feel like you're in this room 
this evening because this is <laughs> exactly what my friend was saying to me. Ah, right. Yeah. Just so much. Yeah. 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 Um, some some days you're good. Some days it's like, okay, what's going on? But I always put things in perspective as well. Um, God that has kept me to this very moment, and because things that I had that that I have right now, I don't deserve them. It's not by being a particular um way or being diligent at things. No, I own everything to God because. I could have gone a different dark route, and that would have been understandable. Because if I sit down and tell you my stories, like we understand why, you know. Yeah. But God took all of that, and He He had to like stir me because I was going in a different dark path, you know, based on things I had experienced. That I, I, you know, I still don't even have the words to like put some things that I have gone through because I, I can't find the words to, like describe just that growing process and for years and years it was just those things I internalized and they became my very image like that was what I could see myself so when people see things in me and they say things to me and I'm like but I don't see myself that way you know took a while to be able to polish that image that other people saw in me and I had to go back to God like so who am I like I want to see those things they see in me and I see those people around me like they served as a mirror but I was my mirror wasn't working when I was working it was projecting a text image that I wasn't even seeing but others could see that and I wanted to see me that way and I had to go back to God because I needed his help because I wasn't seeing it it was it was just it was it was a horrible and, and dark long period of my life and you know I see the light now and I really want to help other people you know, navigate to all that because God can use all of that, all of that, you know, even the darkest. I, I have a friend that, you know, her brother was the one that molested her for years. I mean, how do you, how do you explain that? You know, but how do you, how do you talk to your parents about that? Like, it's your son, my brother, person we share the same bloodline that did this to me for many years. Like, how do you look at yourselves, you know, during family gatherings? And so she's not been able to tell her, her parents about it. And I have no words like, you know, encourage her. I just, you know, keep praying with her and I listen to her. But I don't have the right words to say because how do I start, you know, conflicting my experience with her? Because it's so totally different. There's no familial layer with mine, you know. So, yeah. Mm. Just that. Anyways, thanks a lot for, for helping me. Can I do this? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Yes, I love that very much. Thank you. So, dear Lord, I just want to say thank you so much, sweet Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to share. Thank you for the gift of friendship. Thank you for the gift of sisterhood. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Lord, for the testimonies that you're making our lives into we just appreciate you so much lord jesus mm. we thank you for forgiving us all our sins thank you lord for turning what could have hurt us into things that uplift us thank you so much mm. sweet jesus for the lives that we are leading thank you for our future that is secure in you mm. jesus thank you so much thank you so much lord because we know that your plans for us they are always good and that you are able to exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever think mm. or imagine mm. we just love you so much lord thank you for being a good 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 father thank you for the love with which you love us thank mm. you lord because we know that no depth nor height nor anything can separate us from your love mm. thank you sweet jesus mm. and we thank you lord because those that are going to listen to this episode of the podcast lord they're going to be so blessed in the name of jesus mm. we pray lord that it liberates we pray lord that it delivers we pray lord that it brings direction mm. to people in the name of lord jesus mm. christ and we at the end of the day, Lord, we will not just be signposts for other people to you, mm. but we ourselves will end in rich fellowship with you. And mm. that on that last day, we'd hear those words, well mm. done, thou good and faithful servant, mm. in the name of Jesus. Mm. And that the grace to be aligned with your will, mm. we ask for it, Lord, that we're walking it in the name of Lord Jesus. Mm. I just for more 
I pray for her husband, I pray for their marriage, I, yeah. I pray for all that her. And I yeah. pray, Lord, that you prosper her. He prospers in good health, even as a soul, soul prospers in the Wow. So it's like, thank you so much. I, I can't even thank you enough. And thank you. Oh gosh, like, <laughs> so. Let me hug you. Virtual <laughs> hug. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll talk some more. Bye, love. Bye, love. Yeah, bye. <laughs>